Psalm 92, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord, your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass, all evil doers flour- and all evil doers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evil doers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruits in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. To declare that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. This is the word of of God. Thanks, Rosemary, for the Bible reading. Let's bow our heads and pray as we come to God's word. Lord God, it is indeed to give you thanks for who you are and what you've done. And as we gather this morning, we are just reminded of your mercies to us. And Lord, we know that life is tough, life is challenging. Many of us here this morning may have some burden in their hearts because of the struggles of life that we are all going through. Lord, we pray that as we meet, as we hear from you, you will give us your peace you will direct our mind to you, and you will help us once again to trust in you, to acknowledge that, Lord, you are in control of everything that is happening in our lives. More especially, we pray that you will help us to trust in you for those who have not put their trust in you, Lord. And at this time, we pray that your word will speak to us. And Lord, as your servant, I pray that the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable to you. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. When last did we pause from the crazy, busy life and say thank you to God? I must tell you that I also surprised myself when I asked this very question to myself. To be honest with ourselves, we try to say thank you when a favor is done to us, when something good out of the normal routine of life has happened to us, when I get that promotion at the job uh, at work, When I get that dream job that I've been dreaming about, certain circumstances of life push us to say thank you to God. Otherwise, we just say, 
It's life as per normal, nothing special to say thank you for. But then we read Psalm 92, verses 1 and 2. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. So the passage in front of us, Psalm 92, is the only psalm dedicated for the Sabbath day, which was a day of worship in the life of Israel. And today, this day will be appropriately to say that it is applied to a Sunday when we come together as God's people to sing his praises, just as we do it this morning. And it is important to notice that when we gather as God's people, when we gather for corporate worship, all of us together, it's to celebrate what God has done into our lives. We are all equal recipients of God's grace. So when we come together as God's people on a Sunday like this, it's not about the minister or the music team there and me sitting on the pew. It's all of us because we are all recipients of God's grace the same way. And but also let me tell you that when we come together sitting here, you may not know, you may not know or think about it, but the person sitting next to you is encouraged by your presence. You may not have thought about it. If you look on your left or on your right, you'll just put a smile. Why? Because the person sitting next to you is encouraging you. So we get together as God's people. We lift up our voices as we pray, like we confess together our sins, like we affirmed our faith in the word of the Apostles' Creed. We lift up together our voices as we sing together God's praises. You see, in a world where gratitude does not come so naturally, this psalm in front of us expresses great gratitude to God for what he is and what he has done on our behalf. And just reflecting on Easter that we celebrated last week, we were reminded of the death of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, on that cross on our behalf. So reflecting on that, it is so fitting for us to look at this Psalm 92 and give thanks to God for what he has done. The question that helps us to dig into our passage, what do we learn about God from Psalm 92 that causes us to give thanks to him? What do we learn from this Psalm? Well, first, we give thanks to God because of his name and his character. True worship always begins with God. Why? Because he is the author of everything that exists. Let's read together verses 1 to verse 3. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. And we can add today to the music of the guitar, 
the piano, the keyboard, the flute, the clarinet, the drums. You can add all the instruments. It is good to do that. From the first three verses that are in front of us, it is clear that the psalmist puts his focuses on the name of God and the character of God. He calls God by his personal name, Yahweh. This is the name by which God revealed himself to his people, to Moses and to all Israel. But he also calls God the Most High. He is high above everything else. But he also focuses on the character of God. His steadfast love and his faithful. So whenever we speak of God's steadfast love, whenever we speak of God's faithfulness, we see this God who made a covenant with his people. He initiated a relationship with his people out of his love, out of his mercy for us. And he keeps his word, what he says he does, even when we don't keep our part of the covenant. This God is really trustworthy. He is good. And it is the right response to always thank him. And the question is, how do we thank God? How do we give him thanks from our passage? First of all, we declare it with words, with our words. So we give thanks to God when we declare it in our words, that it is good to give thanks, it is good to praise him. We give thanks, we praise Yahweh, we say it, it's words. Whether we say it in our heads or we say it loudly, but we give praise to God by using our words. Secondly, how do we do that? We sing praises and make music to God. That is why it is important for us when we come here together for service to lift up our voices to praise God. So singing is very important, just like any other part of the service. To give glory to his name. As the music team leads us, it is very important for us. It's a way to give thanks to the Lord. And we thank our music director and all the music team for the way they choose a song that really Magnify God. You will notice that the words of the song that we sing week after week, they are biblical. They have theological integrity. They are in accordance with the teaching of the Bible. They bring glory to God. That is why we all need to be part of the singing. We need to come early so that we can start together, we can worship God together, because it is right, the psalmist says it. It is one of the ways that we give thanks to the Lord, by singing praises and making music. And yes, you can raise your hands, you can clap your hands, you can dance like King David did, there's no rule against that. As long as you are expressing a genuine gratitude and love for God. So you can do that. Make sure next week Sunday you are here and we do that together.
Amen. How else do we give thanks to the Lord according to this passage here? We declare God's steadfast love, which is his gracious kindness to us. We declare that in the morning and his faithfulness at night. Why steadfast love in the morning? Well, because morning is when God in his kindness gives us another day to live. Why his faithfulness at night? Well, because that's a clear sign that he has walked with us for the whole day and he has been faithful to walk with us second after second of each and every day. So we declare his steadfast love in the morning and his faithfulness at night. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Martha, who led us in time of prayer, and myself, we serve in the pastoral care. And part of what we do, we do visit uh, hospital visits or family that are bereaved. In fact, uh, this past Thursday, we went to see one of our church members uh, who was in hospital. What we normally do when we get there, we'll speak to the person, we'll pray with the person, uh, we'll read from God's word, uh, and we'll ask if there's any specific request that we can pray for. And I must tell you that it's always encouraging to us, uh, and that was the case even the last Thursday when we, do, we did that visit, when the person that we are visiting says that, I know I'm here, but God is in control. And I give him thanks, because even things could have been worse, but he has kept me under his care. So this is what this psalm kind of tells us, that we are to give thanks to the Lord. It doesn't matter the circumstances that we are in. Why? Because of who God is. We give thanks to the Lord. Whether we are in desperate situation. Why? Because we acknowledge who God is. We know that God is in control. Second point. First of all, it was to remember his name and his character. Second, we give thanks to God for his works. Let's read together verse 4 all the way to verse 7. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. Are the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know. The fool cannot understand this. That though the wicked sprout like grass, and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. You can, see, you can see in just these few verses, the word work comes at least three times. And what we find here is that the works of God reveal something about God. Again, things like his character. The works of God help us to have a better understanding of who God is. Although our understanding is very limited, 
but it is more than enough to cause us to praise and worship God, to declare his praises. The work of God, the work of the Lord, made me glad, says uh, the psalmist. Where do we see the works of Yahweh? Where do we see the works of God? We see the works of God in creation. We also see the works of God in salvation. When one thinks of creation, when one thinks of God as our creator, the author of all that exists, and here most of the time, when I'm in my office after a long day or maybe in the morning, preparing for a long day, when I know uh, my boss will give me a long day, so when I stand by the window, And just look down to the cafe and look at those trees. So you see those trees, they've got nests for birds. And it's so interesting, you'll see maybe in the morning a bird flying out of the nest. And it will go about the day. But it is very interesting to know that in the evening, the birds will never forget where the nest is. They come back to the very nest. So that's really amazing to see God in his creation, how he programmed, how he planned everything. Even a bird knows where the nest is. So this is one of the ways to see God work in creation. But also when we see God as our Savior, the one who redeemed us, the one who saved me, the one who paid off his life for me. I did not want to do anything with God. In fact, I was running away from him. But he came to me. He lavished his life, his love upon me so that in him I can have life. So when I think of God as a creator, as a savior. Verse 4 says that we are made glad in our heart because of who God is as a creator and as a savior. So when I think about that and the thinking there, it's more of pondering, it's more of meditating of this God, what he has done in this creation, how he has saved me. That can only bring joy within my heart. I rejoice in my heart of who God is and what he has done. And this is a natural response to God's greatness. And once that joy is within me, that joy can only come out. It can only flow out. Why? Because God is so great. He's so great to me as an individual. So we sing for joy at the works of your hands, says the psalmist. We know that God does not have hands, but this is just a metaphor to say that God is really powerful. He does not need hands. He created everything. And verse 5 affirms that God's works are greater than we can imagine. God's thoughts are deeper 
or more profound that we can understand. And when I was thinking of how best to explain this, I just thought of this hymn, How Great Thou Art, which grasped this very idea of giving thanks to God for his works. Verse 1 goes like this, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the words thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Verse 2, when through the woods and forest glades I wander, and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees, when I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and see the brook and feel the gentle breeze. So these two verses capture God as the creator. How magnificent is the nature, the things that he has made. And then comes verse 3, which sees God as the one who redeems us, who saves us. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in, that on the cross my burdens gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. And the culmination of everything, the, the great works of God, last verse, when Christ shall come, we shout of acclamation, and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart? Then I shall bow in humble adoration, and then proclaim, my God, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Capture the works of God in creation, the works of God in salvation, and the culmination of everything when we'll be with him for eternity. Just as God's works reveal his greatness in verse 4 and 5, they also reveal that the wicked are like grass in verse 6 and 7, grass that will be destroyed forever. The greatness of God stands in contrast to the foolishness and sinfulness of wicked men. These wicked men do not praise and give thanks to God. They do not do that. And if they do give praise, it's to maybe themselves or something else, but not to God. Verse 6 says that they do not know. Verse 6 says again, they do not understand. Verse 7, they spring like grass. Verse 7, they flourish and then destroy it forever. This is for the wicked men. Our third point. Remember, first point. We give thanks to God for his character and his name. Second, for his works. And third, we give thanks to God for his judgment. Verses 8 and 9. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold your enemies... O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. 
So verse 8 and verse 9 continue this idea from verse 6 and verse 7. Whereby the wicked men are destroyed forever. There's no hope for them. All the enemies of God will be destroyed. God is the ultimate judge. He will judge everything. Verse 8 seems to be the heart of this psalm. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. The sovereign God is exalted forever. There is no one like him. He has got all power. He has got all authority. And we can see clearly how these verses, they point us to the crucified, risen, and exalted Christ. The one whose works make us glad. Just as we were all joyful on Easter because we remembered what Christ has done for us. The one in whom there is no wickedness. The one who has defeated his enemies and scattered all the evildoers. The mighty, righteous, flourishing one, Jesus. The one in whom there is eternal life. As contrasted to the wicked man who will perish forever. In Jesus there is eternal life. Yes, indeed. We thank the Lord for his works. We thank the Lord for his judgment, which is just, which is right. Finally, what hope do I get from this psalm? Verses 10 to verse 15. But you have exalted my own like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailant. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. These verses point to the way God blesses his children. Which again adds another reason for God's children to give thanks to him. Another reason for God's children to worship him to sing his praises and to declare his steadfast love and his faithfulness. Unlike the wicked men who are like grass to be destroyed forever, as we read in verse 7, God's children are like palm tree and cedar, which just symbolizes long life and strength. And this palm tree and this cedar are planted in the house of the Lord, in the courts of God. And again, if they are planted in the courts of God, that means they will never perish. There's this idea of eternity. They will bear fruit forever. 
these verses also invite us to confidently trust in this rock in whom there is no unrighteousness. This rock is unshakable. This rock is unchangeable. This rock is unmovable. And this rock is faithful. This rock has brought down the enemies of God. And because we belong to God, God's enemies are our enemies. The rock has conquered sin. The rock has conquered the devil. The rock has conquered death. The rock has conquered our enemy. This rock has set me free. And this rock has got a name. This rock is called Jesus. Remember when I started, I asked this question, when last did we pause and say thank you to God for what he has done? Well, whether you have done that many times, or maybe we have not done it, well, this is an opportunity for you and for me to do so. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the rock of my salvation. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the rock of my salvation. Thank you, Jesus, because you have made me your own. I belong to you. I pray that this is what you will be reflecting on, thanking God, thanking this Jesus, who is the rock of our salvation. Let's bow our head and pray. And as we do so, may I please ask the hospitality team to come forward. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that it is the right thing for us to give you thanks for what you have done. You are the rock of our salvation. We want to cling to you. And help us, Lord, to be people who will forever be thankful, especially remembering what you did on the cross for us. And may thankfulness be the theme of our lives, Lord, because we can't have enough of saying thank you to you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.